Hello and welcome to Columbus Local Podcast. I'm Len D'Amico, and tonight we have a special guest episode with Tom House. Tom, how are you tonight? Hey, I'm great, Lynn. How you doing? Good, man. I'm glad you made the time tonight. I, I really appreciate you coming. Oh, it's my pleasure. I was thrilled to do it. You know, your, your current involvement in Columbus local music scene is um, the following. I'll let you describe. Well, I managed the Sean Booker Dammit Band. They're a fantastic blues band out of Columbus, Ohio. Although she's an international artist, she's based here in Columbus. Yeah. Yeah, we uh we we know Sean and we we love her music and we we love hanging with Sean whenever we can whether it's at a gig or you know we when we did the the episode uh on Columbus Local Podcast with Sean. Oh yeah. Um you know, we all kind of hung out and pre-gamed a bit and um had a good time. Um, but, uh, you know, I thought, man, you'd make it just a fantastic guest for the podcast as a special guest. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, that's fun. So, so Tom, um, where are you from and how did you get into the Columbus, Ohio area? I think it might probably might cover the podcast because of all your stories. But how many days do you have? <laughs> oh, we can do a couple things, man. Keep rolling. Well, you know, I was born in Chillicothe, Ohio. And, you know, I often say I was born poor white trash because I was. Um, you know, I was born out in the boonies, Spud Run Road, beside Tar Hollow at the foothills of Rattlesnake Knob with no indoor running water. I mean, it was like you know, early, early sixties, early sixties. And, uh, you know, rural Ohio, right? Oh, right, right. Well, you know, I mean, I grew up so poor. My idea of, um, who, which people were and what a good life was, was watching like Johnny Carson and Joe Pine. And I'd see these women in furs and diamonds and men in tuxes. And I thought there's gotta be a better life than out here on Spud Run Road. <laughs> and, and I also thought, well, maybe when I grow up, I could be a professional talk show guest. All I'd have to do is smoke cigarettes, drink martinis, and, and talk. That's cool. Uh, and then, you know, I graduated high school and went to work for the FBI in Washington, D.C. as a, a lowly file clerk. And I went into retail. Then I went into... Uh, apartment management and decided to go to barber school and I was a barber for 30 years got tired of that started construction business and fell in love with Sean Booker at the same time about 25 years ago oh man 25 years ago in what city was was that here in Columbus here okay I first met her at um, a festival called hot times in Old Town East uh, ran by Candy Watkins and I saw Sean on stage and I said, oh my God, that's my girl. Yeah, for sure. So you guys met and uh, started hanging out, good well, friends? Well, and... we met, we just became good friends over the years. And then uh, when COVID hit, you know, everything musically kind of fell apart. And uh, so I had house concerts and uh, for a charity that my husband and I have uh, to teach children in Brazil to read. And Sean was very supportive of that and did concerts for me uh, in the house for maybe a year and a half. Oh, cool. And then I started booking for her, and then I became her manager. Yeah. Yeah. 
if, if, if you're on Facebook, we, you know, and we see, we follow uh, the Sean Booker band and Sean Booker, I think, um, you know, we can see you're very active in uh, working with the band and, and working with Sean personally. Yeah, yeah. It's a ongoing experience, that daily experience. I mean, keeping up with the Sean Booker Damn It Band Facebook page uh, is a lot. <laughs> Well, yeah, and you're wearing a lot of hats, right? Like you're 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 you know managing several aspects of of the music, but but those little facets of of uh, the job, if you will, are, yeah. are broad, right? I mean, it's all about they are broad. Um, besides the aspect of Facebook, there's posters to be printed and delivered, and advertising to be done, and video ads for Facebook and print ads for Facebook and the Instagram accounts. And the, I mean, it just, and then booking for festivals a year in advance and booking local venues and uh, doing the application for the international blues challenge in January for uh, the band. I mean, it, it's quite uh, encompassing. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, she plays all over the world, right? All over the world, yeah. uh, South America, Europe. I think there's like 17, 19 countries in Europe that she's played. I flew over one time just to meet her for a um, a concert in Poland. Charles Sal, if I'm pronouncing that right, mm. Poland. Mm. Yeah, cool. So, uh, yeah, that was quite fun. Oh, for sure. Absolutely, I think. Um, what city is the International Blues Festival? That's in Memphis. Okay. In Memphis. Yeah. I'm sure if it was a little further south or not. And, um, and there'll be like 200 bands from all over the world competing for, uh, you know, the, the Blues Challenge winner. And uh, I believe Sean's going to take it. Oh, let's, let's hope so, you know. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's several, um, probably from... Uh, Columbus area I would think Columbus has a is an alive very much alive blues community uh within the music community that um you know I'm sure we'll have a few um that'll be um involved at least with with this Memphis event yeah there's there's a lot of um uh, musicians who have been to Memphis to this event before and they're going to meet us there we have uh, a fan base, if you want to call it that, that are meeting us there, friends, other musicians. Uh, so we have a Columbus contingent that's going to go with us. Yeah, so awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's really nice to have that kind of support. For sure. I'll have to look at the calendar, man. I, and it might be a good weekend to <laughs> oh. head down. I, we love Sean. Well, love her. I, I know you do, and it'd be a great time to have you there. Let me oh, tell for you. sure. Yeah, let me tell you. At any rate, um, there's uh, there's always a lot going on in town. You know, you guys, uh, I see the band booked all over. Yeah, they're booked everywhere, uh, different venues, different times. Um, it, it, it doesn't matter where you live in Columbus. There's a venue close. Yep. True. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So I know that uh, there's a couple of things too that. Um, you know, are uh, a part of your multifaceted existence, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And so, but I don't know, I'm not sure how you want to dive into some of this, but um, I, I'm going to kind of, you know, think through kind of your thoughts of, on what you want to share. Well, <laughs> let me start off by saying, <clears throat> you know, I'm a gay man uh, and I have been married to women twice. I'm uh, currently married to my husband, uh, Scott. Um, and so I've had a really different varied life, varied lifestyles, uh, different experiences with what you, some would say different worlds. And um, I have to say out of all of that, the greatest day of my life is the day my daughter was born. Wow. I felt like it was the most accomplished thing that I would ever do. Bless you. And uh, as a result of that, uh, we have two granddaughters and a newly adopted grandson. So uh, we are proud papas, let me tell you. Wow. Congratulations. But, uh, oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. And uh, But then on the other hand, my ex-wife, who's the mother of my child, uh, moved to Florida into a trailer with an 80-year-old man to get his Social Security check and is now a trumper. <laughs> so, and that's different from your politics, uh, I take? And, 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 uh, a little different. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but then it's like, uh, who has a lot of money that lives in a trailer in Florida? It's like, I uh, uh, don't get that. Uh, so, yeah. That's one wife. Uh, the other wife, who was my second wife, uh, she was convicted of fraud, uh, the largest fraud in the history of the United States. Are you kidding me, man? Are you serious? <laughs> she, and, uh, and Is she, this during your marriage? <laughs> no, no, after my marriage. Oh, my God. Uh, you know, uh, should I say her name? No. Uh, well, I don't know. She's in. You, you don't need to say her name. Uh, if, those she, that are interested can Google uh, you, you know, and then do their uh, own research. They'll get it. Look on America's Most Wanted about <laughs> 2003. Um, <laughs> she was convicted of the largest fraud in the history of the United States. Is it still the case that is the largest? It, it still okay. is. It still is. And she's in medium security prison uh, up in California. And uh, I mean, other than being, and this was long after we were divorced, but I always kept track of her because one day she told, she said, "You'll never be rich." I said, "I'll never be in prison." So, isn't that weird? You know, and, the irony <laughs> is always around you, Tom. <laughs> it was like I gotta tell, I gotta tell you the story, Lynn. <laughs> I was a, a dispatch reporter uh, wanted to interview me about her when she was on the run, uh, and uh, and and my ex she did she ran away to Mexico uh, before they gave her the ankle bracelet. And she was missing for about two years, but this dispatch reporter interviews me, and then she in code kind of tells me that she's interviewing me to get information for U.S. Marshal's office, and I'm like this is really weird. So I was on my way down to Brazil 
And a friend of mine uh, gave me a gigantic suitcase full of stuffed toys that belonged to his wife who had passed away. What and, kind of toys, Tom? Uh, like elephants and uh, giraffes and bears. And, so stuffed animal type stuffed toys. Stuffed animal okay. toys, yeah. And uh, so I was taking those down to give to the kids in the street in the uh, favela. And uh, once I got down there, my bag which never happened before, uh, was missing. So they sent it to me. And when I opened the bag, the back of every animal was slit open. And I thought, that's really bizarre. So I said, oh, well, you know, what the hell does I get one of the gals down here to sew it up? So then I go out that night and I was with a buddy and we were shooting snooker with these two prostitutes. And this guy is sitting over there in the corner watching every word I say and staring at me intensely. So I walk over to him and I say in Portuguese, are you Brazilian or American? And in English, he was stupid enough to say, I'm, I'm Brazilian. I said, the hell you are. You got a central Ohio accent. What the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> and he got up and walked away. <laughs> well, the next day after I'm thinking and sobering up and thinking about everything, I'm like, these are U.S. Marshals. They are following me to Brazil thinking I'm taking her money. Oh, my God. Because if it were drugs in the stuffed animals, the dogs would smell them. Since every back was split open, I'm like, they're looking for money. Well, when I get home to the States a couple months later, I find out, yeah, they were following me to Brazil. And that wasn't the first time they thought I was taking her money. Like, I'd take that bitch money. You know, it's like, <clears throat> no, no, no. You're not going to take any money. Um, not, not to her. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they're trying to find her, right? Was this during the time they're trying to find they're her? They're trying to find her. And they since found her down in, um, in Mexico in this expat community. And uh, so they converted her sentence from 25 years to life. And uh, so she's in medium security in Northern California. Wow. So yeah. can you describe the case? Well, it was a case of a, it was, a, it's public record. It was National yeah. Century Financial Corporation in Dublin, Ohio. And uh, they would buy accounts from doctors, offices, uh, dental chains, hospitals, they caused 425 hospitals and chains and medical communities to file bankruptcy. It, even the, the federal auditors cannot figure out whether it was $2.2 billion or $3 billion. That they were taking from their customers who were filing bankruptcy? No, what they would do is this company would buy accounts from doctor's offices and yeah. hospitals, and then they would bill those customers and they'd take a percentage and give the rest to the, uh, to the medical offices. Gotcha. And, uh, and so they, they were billing their customers for, for services it, that weren't necessarily being exactly executed exactly. upon. And they were supposed to keep, I think it was 400 million in reserve and, uh, all of that came up missing. So, <laughs> wow. So there you go. Well, that's an interesting case study, you know, um, very interesting.
Yeah, I thought about writing a book about her, but I thought, oh, I only have so many, so many days left on Earth. Well, who wants to spend that time? On that particular topic. I'd rather spend my time in Brazil. Uh, uh, well, I'm going to go on record. Like, I was married twice myself, okay? Uh, and and I'm, I'm grateful for the women that I spent that time with. Both of them. I mean, just great human beings. I learned and something I, from both of them, you know? I got to believe there's something... Besides what not to do, Tom, that, you know, you're grateful so, for, but you're just shaking your head. No. Turns out you really, you really didn't. It wasn't your thing. <laughs> it wasn't my thing. It, did you know? Did you know then? I mean, I'm just out of curiosity. I'm not. Oh, know. did I know it was gay? Yeah. Like when you were, when you were married. You no. Know, was it? I'd filled, okay. around, I'd filled around with a couple guys when I was like 13, 14, and I, you know, I was backward and naive in the country. And I thought, well, you know, maybe this is just normal. There's no girls around. So, you know, when girls come, we'll take them on. But, uh, you know, I just, uh, no, I, I, I always saw men looking at me when I was with my wives or, or, or whatever. And I didn't think much about it. Uh, and then, just one day it clicked. That's why these guys are looking at me. That's why I have this insecurity within myself. That's, uh, you know, that's why, that's why, that's why. And it's like, so it's like, uh, uh, my second wife was the first person that I told that I thought I was gay because she was the closest person to me. Right. And, uh, and I loved her the most at the time. Yeah. But, uh, you know, just, I came out and then it was like, oh, hell broke loose. You know, it's like some people open that door softly. I like kicked the hinges off of it. Right. You know? Right. I had a friend that told me, he says, well, I, I said, uh, you know, I, I think I'm gay. I want to go to a gay bar. And he says, oh, I, I don't want to take you there. And he said, because you'll go there all the time. I said, no, I won't. I just want to like, you know, I want to see what it's like. And he said, okay. So he took me and I went in, I took a look around. I went in the bathroom. I puked uh, just, just from nerves. And then, uh, I went out probably about every night in my life for 30 years. And, uh, I don't know. I, I thought I was, um, secure with myself. I mean, you know, I went to barber school when I was doing hair and I knew doing um, what you wanted to do and what, what you felt you should be doing. Right. And the Reagan years didn't affect me and I didn't yeah. care what anybody else did as long as they just let me cut hair and make money and party. That's, you know, that's, that's all I cared about. And, uh, but as a result, I drank for that, you know, all that time, like almost every night of my life and, uh, always very successful in business, but not very successful in relationships. <laughs> I gotcha. <laughs> so, you know, uh, that was, uh, that was an era, uh, cutting hair, coming out and, uh, cutting hair and realizing who I was and, and, uh, you know, having a child and, uh, having two ex-wives and I mean, just, I was, you know, in between, you know, I was in that space in between the straight community and the gay community, and I could relate to both of them. 
uh, because I mean, I guess you're the sum of who you are and that's who I was. Right. right. Exactly. So, um, well, good for you though, for, for, you know, continuing to, to grow and continuing to, you know, gain your sense of, of self, right? It, yeah. Yeah. It's Strengthening like, yourself. And you know, it, it took a while. It, yeah. Uh, uh, I think it took maybe 30 years. It took at least until I'm older enough to, uh, you know, not care. Right. Uh, not care what other people think and right. just be true to myself. And I found that I have more relationships and more friends just being yourself than, uh, than trying to be somebody you're not. It's so important. I mean, so that's an important aspect that I always try to, you know, encourage around myself is to just, just be yourself, man. Just, you know, or whoever, right? Like just be, be who you are. Yeah. And if you're, you're not sure who that is, continue to take the time to explore, to explore and find out, right. you know, to right. find out, you know, because everyone's experience is different. Yep. And, uh, I, and I mean, not just sexually, uh, but, uh, you know, in business and love and in life, I mean, everyone's experience is different and, that's why I think we should just embrace each person as they are and learn from that. You know, collective knowledge is the best thing on earth. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. So, uh, well said. It's just, uh, yeah. If only we could get, you know, the government participants within to, uh, to, to, you know, maybe consider that a little stronger. I mean, it just seems like, just these times aren't any any better to me from my view as you know who I am right yeah and I, I could define that but it, we don't have enough time to define who I am no, I'm just kidding I'm just kidding dude I don't think politicians <laughs> ever ever really represent us I mean you know they're torn they, between representation is the yeah they're just the, I don't know they're torn between the money they can get. Uh, from various sources and uh, and uh, what they'll do with the money, uh, you know, us nah, and get them elected, and that's about it. Shudder! I shudder this. I shudder next year at this time. <laughs> thinking about it. God, so I, let's not think about it right now. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. yeah let's let's pass on that. Oh my god! Oh jeez. Yeah. So um, you know, Columbus has been like. Coming from a small city, uh, moving to Columbus by way of New Jersey, <laughs> uh, Columbus has been my home for like the last uh, like fifty years, maybe fifty-five years, and I've had such great experiences uh, here. I met the greatest people. Um, when I moved to Old Town East in the early '80s. Uh, that was like a hippie artist, uh, African-American uh, community. The, the houses were really dirt cheap and gigantic. And uh, when I first moved there, that's when I first found my really lifelong friends. Um, I opened my first hair salon there. Um, 
and then expanded uh, a couple of years later to the next space over and uh, I was growing my clientele and I was being crazy with long blonde hair and a white fur coat in a in a, in an east side ghetto with carrying a pistol in my pocket so I wouldn't get mugged on the walk home. Damn. And uh, that's where I met Claudia Yasko. Mm. I was at this concert um, uh, at um, Vets Memorial, and there was a group playing. I don't recall the name of the group right now, but anyway, I ended up getting a note from the group to said, "We get us for a drink." So we go, we meet them for a drink at the Sheridan, and our waitress is Claudia Yasko. And I don't know if you remember Claudia. Claudia was accused of the 22 caliber murder killings in Columbus and a Playboy magazine attorney came down to uh, uh, defend her along with the local Columbus attorney. Uh, I won't say his name. <laughs> anyway, I don't know where, how I got here, but I was, with, I was with Claudia the night that she was having breakfast and she says, I'm going to go over and tell those sheriff's deputies that I killed that man. And I said, oh, Claudia, don't do that. And she goes, no, I think I did kill them. She went over and she told these two cops that she killed these people. They talked to her for about five minutes and arrested her. Right, right, right there at that location? Right there what was that, that location. What was that location? It was up on like... Morris Road or 161. It was like a Denny's. Or and she worked. She worked there. No, we were having breakfast oh. with her boyfriend, Pigman, mm. who drove a pig truck. All <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> so Claudia and I became friends, and yeah, uh, Daniel Keyes wrote. Uh, you know, he wrote out Flowers for Algernon. He wrote a book called Unveiling Claudia. And uh, he interviewed me for the book, and uh, you should you should buy the book. It's kind of fun. We will. Um, but he interviewed me for the book, and I asked him not to use my name. I said, you know, don't say what I said, but you can give me credits. Uh, those guys might get out of prison and kill me. Uh, but uh, so I met Claudia in Old Town East. Wow. You know, Wait, where is she now? You know, I lost track of her. The last time I saw her, she was a, um, a TV minister. Oh, wow. <laughs> good, good. That's uh, a good story. <laughs> it's a, you know, from tarot cards to, you know, she thought she was the, the um, princess of Hawaii. Uh, she was... She's an interesting case study. Claudia yeah. had multiple personalities. Her okay. and, actually, her and Billy Milligan. Do you remember Billy Milligan? I know that name. He had multiple personalities. And, uh, yeah, they were they were great friends, all of them, all of them, all of them. It uh, was, where was Billy Milligan's uh, I think, claim? Not claim, but it was notoriety. I think he killed somebody. In Columbus? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that name. 70s, it, 1970s. Exactly. It's been yeah. a long time. Wow. But yeah, I, I met Claudia there. Uh, she lived uh, a block away from my salon at the time, which was at Parsons and Oak. That's a great neighborhood, man. Yeah, it's a great neighborhood. Yeah. It's my like, son lives in that neighborhood now. I have a son, does. my youngest son. Yeah. Sort of wow. near that area. You know, I, I lived there for almost 40 years. And I recently moved uh, three years ago 
uh, I wanted to get a home that was on one level so I wouldn't have to climb the steps all smart, the time. Smart man. <laughs> I think I'm older than you. I, I think. I don't think so. Oh, okay. 72. <laughs> you want to you were born up? in 72? No, I am 72. Oh, no, man. I'm, you, you got me over 10 years, but not by much. <laughs> not much more. <laughs> and that's all right. <laughs> it's, it's quite all right. You don't look your age, Tom. Well, I'll just say, I, you know, and I'm damn lucky, I guess. I, I mean, as much as I've smoked and drank, I mean, I've smoked three packs of cigarettes a day for 30 years. Uh, you know, I drank for like 35 years. I don't drink anymore. I, I have eight or 10 drinks in a year, but I, I'm just not into drinking anymore. Uh, trying to relax. Yeah. Relaxation, I find, is uh cherished moments that you know i don't get enough of yeah um quietness just yeah quiet. it, yeah i get that i totally understand and i you know peace is um it's a cherished moment. Oh, <laughs> especially you know after you've come home from a night of music and yet all that loud music in a venue and it's like you get in your car and it's silent it's like oh my god i love this but I love that too. Right. It's oh a, yeah. 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 The dichotomy of what we gravitate toward. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, just being more, uh, settled and peaceful and, uh, and relaxed just, uh, you know, it makes me feel better. I Nothing mean, wrong with that. And, uh, well, no. And it's like, you know, now that I'm an adult, I'm allowed to in quotation marks, uh, I've grown my hair halfway down my back, uh, which it, to me is just, it's fun. But Have you always had long hair? Or no. Would you, okay, because oh, you said no. adult, but I, that's, that's a span. Oh, well, you know, I've started having it long like the last 10 years, but I had periods off and on where I'd let it get a little longer, maybe shoulder length, but then on any given day, I might just completely buzz it off and start all over again. I mean, for years I was in the hair business and I'd get my hair cut every three weeks. When I got out of the hair business, I'm like, Ugh, I don't want to go to this lot. It's like, oh, it takes some time. I've got to park. And I said, I'll just let it grow. And then I let it grow and I look at it one day and say, oh, it's too long. Then go have it all cut off. Like like mine? Yes, like yours. Really? All the way buzz down. It off. Number two on the clippers. Oh, this is like this is no guard, man. <laughs> I no guard this baby like every couple of days. Um but uh yeah, I mean that's that's cool. That's real cool. So it's kind of, you know, and it's 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 also strange to be this age. I mean I embrace it, I embrace age. I uh you know What's your alternative? You might as well, you know, deal with it and be happy. But, yeah. But you know, the point, the point being, there's whole stages in your life, and I think you should embrace all the stages. And uh, I'm in a happy place, so I'm I'm embracing that. I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot of what to do and what not to do, and hopefully, I'm still learning a lot more. So uh, I never had that attitude when I was a lot younger. It's like, oh, I know everything. Well, when you get my age, you realize you don't know everything. You only know what you what you knew at the time. 
Okay. Exactly. And, exactly. And if you live a sheltered, semi-sheltered existence or an existence with a lot of institutions that, that bury you and, and maybe you have several institutions that are encompassing your existence. That, that was me, uh-huh. you know, traditional family, um, existence. And then when you, when you grow, <laughs> you know, when you move on in life, you, you're in your twenties and maybe you hang on to some of those morals and values and it's very solid. And, and I am grateful for, um, my, you know, my parent, up parent, my parents were awesome people and it was a very traditional family and, um, everything that went with it. Um, but then you realize, you know, that, at you know 40 years later you're you're you've lived a lot of life hopefully hopefully yeah yeah and you've seen a lot of the world hopefully and yeah. and are able to determine where i came from doesn't resemble most of what i've seen exactly, exactly. and so do i want to live in a world that that caters to me in my existence mm-hmm. Or do I want to live in a world that is that is um, embracing every walk of life? Exactly. I, I don't care. I don't care who you. You know. I'm you not going to judge any. From. Like, like yeah. let let everyone be themselves. We talked about you. Know, it's important to be yourself. But but I want others to be happy and free. You know. You can go to. The, the Constitution of the United States and, and some of the founding father concepts of liberty and justice for all. They didn't just say, you know, Anglo-Saxon, you know, males. They they said liberty and justice for all. That concept of of coexistence. Yeah, yeah. You live your life, I live my life, and we can coexist in the same space. And... Um, accommodate each other's lifestyles and, and uh, embrace what's different from what I am and, who, and what I believe even. Well, I think there's something that you can take away from every person that you meet, every experience that you have. I think, it, you know, you have to be open to the thought that you will learn something new and you may not want to know what you learned and you may want to know what you learned, but you learn something new. And uh, I, I love traveling for that reason. Uh, we usually go to Europe for a month every year uh, and uh, do the touristy things, but make sure we do uh, things that take us out, that meet real people off the beaten path, mom and pop restaurants and things like that. Um, we usually go to Brazil now a couple times a year. Uh, before I was married, I had you know more single time. So I've been to Brazil like 35 times. And I went for carnival one year, 21 years ago. And I said, uh-huh, I'll be back. I ended up buying a home there. Oh, wow. And uh, I moved to a city three hours north of Rio de Janeiro called Cabo Frio, which it means cold cape. And I uh, had that for a couple of years when the exchange rate turned upside down and I realized I could make money off selling the house at the same price I sold the house. 
I took the house boy, his wife, who was 16, and their baby back to the favela. Uh, Americans would call it uh, a ghetto. Back to the favela where they, uh, they wanted to return. And I lived there for, I rented a place for a year, and I loved it. I loved the people. I loved the energy. I loved the cheapness of it for an American. I loved the food. I ended up building an apartment building there with a Nigerian friend. And uh, we, we built six apartments, and we each kept one and sold uh, the other four. And so I lived in Brazil for six months out of the year for 10 years. Um, it, it was quite an experience living in a favela. And the, the, my friends in the favela were the militia. They were the law. And I met them when they were waiters in a hotel. Which country <laughs> was Rio, this? Brazil. In, in Brazil. In Rio de Janeiro. And, uh, and so, you know... Uh, I lived there for six months out of the year for 10 years uh, at a small uh, apartment uh, next to a sewage canal. And uh, with, uh, you know, they didn't charge you for electricity. They didn't charge you for water. All the electricity was stolen. I mean, there's thousands of wires running across the street. Uh, but I have the greatest friends down there. And uh, I'm still friends with that little family that uh, took care of my home in Cabo Frio when I was in the United States. And I still, uh, my husband and I still uh, support uh, Maria and uh, her two kids, Anna Clara and Alini. And we're going to see them next week. Oh, so you're, you're going to head out of town next uh, week. Uh, we're headed out of town. It's like I, uh, yeah, I, I love going to Brazil. And part of that love is like, you know, when you fly to Europe, you get jet lag going over, coming back to time difference. We're on the same time zone this time of the year. So you get on the plane in Miami at 10.55 at night and you land at 8 in the morning. Uh, at their time, it, you have breakfast on the plane. You're ready to go as soon as you hit the ground. And you, I'll bet you guys do. Uh, we do. <laughs> we absolutely do. Do you carry your bag or is it checked? Oh, checked. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. how long are you staying? Uh, we'll stay for 10 days this time. 10 days, uh, man. I, I can't be gone for long because, you know, we've got a lot of band work to do and I have a construction business to run. <laughs> you got you got stuff to do. <laughs> so we got stuff to do. Um, which part of Brazil are you going to? Uh, Rio de Janeiro. Rio de Janeiro. Wow, man. Actually, um, <clears throat> the favela, the name of the favela is Rio uh, das which is a river of stones. And it's, um, it's right outside of Baja de Tijuca and the National Forest. It's about a 20 minute bus right outside of Ipanema. And uh, you know, uh, now that I, I don't have the apartment, I end up selling it uh, in the, the favelas. We always stay at a, uh, a little hotel. It's, uh, in Baja de Tijuca, it's, it's like I said, a 20 minute uh, ride to the favela, but uh, it, it's very cheap uh, to be there. It's right there on, you cross the street, you're on the, at the ocean. They have this beautiful breakfast spread that's uh, uh, probably a choice of 30 dishes. 
included in the price of the hotel. And it's like 70 bucks a night for two. Wow. It's unbelievable. Do, do you speak Portuguese or do you speak uh, English or yeah, is there an no, eclectic uh, group of uh, language? No, no, I speak English very, or uh, I speak English <laughs> very well. Kind of, kind of good. <laughs> no, but uh, I do speak Portuguese enough to uh, really get by. Of course, I don't know every word in a dictionary, but uh, conversationally and asking where I want to go and, and having a conversation uh, just isn't a problem. So I wonder the the origin of the stone rippers, right? And if if that had anything to do with some of the ancient ruins that are a part of um, not just Brazil, but you know, along um, uh, you know Peru, Peru, Peru and yeah, and, and you know Machu Picchu and and uh, some of the other I get the, the names are escaped, but there's just some amazing ancient structures that had to do with placement of stones and, and quarrying from, yeah. from, you know, no place near up in the mountains mm-hmm. of uh, Brazil and, and, and along that, uh, you know, Southern coastal area. Well, well, cause, they, cause, cause Rio de Janeiro is on the sort of the Southern coastline, right? Uh, right, right. Uh, Southwest. Am I thinking right? I, with I my would, geography? I would say South, uh, Southeast. Southeast. Southeast, okay. Yeah. Um, You know, the shoreline there is particularly crazy. Uh, You have the ocean, and then you have the beach, and then you might have 10 city blocks, and then gigantic mountains. That that pop up out of the the ocean? Come come straight up out of the land, maybe 1,000, 2,000 feet from, from the ocean. I mean... Talking about mountains, right? Uh, the landscape there is like very unusual. It's like Sugarloaf Mountain, uh, uh, the tourist attraction there that has the the car that goes up to it. It's like just this gigantic single mountain that overlooks the ocean. It's a it's a beautiful country. And it sounds like it. And how fortunate you are to to, to you know have that as a sort of a part of your life, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the friendships that I've made there, the, you know, the little family that uh, we help support and, uh, and encourage and love, uh, the, all those experiences, they're unbelievable experiences. I mean, they're just uh, the sense of giving and, 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 uh, and loving and embracing other you know, countries, cultures, people, it, it's really expanded my horizon. It makes me think in a different way. That's a really, uh, a bold, you know, way to live. Um, it seems like you're always stretching and always, you know, adventuring and, and looking for understanding and looking to continue to learn, right? Well, you know, as I tell Sean, it's like, let's just go out and punch him in the face. <laughs> and, and, you know, not literally, but figuratively, just like living your life, punching them in the face. Just go for it. Just have give a great it, time. Give go it, for it. Give it who you are. Give it everything you have. You never get. know who, what you're going to see, who you're going to meet. Uh, you know, the experience that you have is going to be a once-in-a-lifetime experience. That's for sure. And I, you know, um, 
I, I, you know, I, I think my next 10 years to get to where you are, 10 years, a little tiny more, but that's okay. Well, you know, I'm, I, I want to do the same thing. You know, I got, I got things I got to work on and continue to work on and, um, continue to make the time to, to travel, you know, something that, uh, I've always wanted to do, but, uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta pay attention to yourself and your mobility and your, you know, ability to, to, to do that. Well, I, I think if we were a different couple with a different lifestyle, like nine to five jobs, weekends off, things like that, you know, our relationship, uh, my relationship with my husband would be different as it is now. We work together. We do the music scene together. We don't have a lot of downtime for like date nights, so to speak. So we opt to travel and and uh, and take a lot of time to do that, and so that we're away from all the things that distract us, and uh, and uh, we get to share those experiences together. That's great. That's fantastic. It's a success uh, success story. Well, you know, I'm coming back around to. I, I, I still feel what like we I'm, weren't good I'm, at. Maybe I'm, early, we're better at today. Yeah, and and I'm still working on success. You know, uh, if you just if you um, define success as happiness, I think when you seek happiness you're still seeking success. And sometimes it's an effort to be happy, uh, but that's what you do. It's like, I'm not the guy that's uh, got the glass that's half empty, I'm the half full guy. It's like, and I just kind of like, think maybe I can tip it to get more water in. So um, that, that's the way I view life. And the other thing is, you know, being my age, I think, well, you know, my dad died when he was 85. My mom died when she was 76. And what's the life expectancy of a man who smokes 30 packs of cigarettes? You know, blah, blah, blah. And, and I think, well, hell, I might as well have as much fun every day as I possibly can. Because it could be tomorrow. It could be 10 years. It could be 50. Who knows? I mean, you know, but I mean, realistically, I don't have any time to waste. I'm just going to have a good life. Well, it sounds like the little glimmer that we got today, um, you're definitely living life. And well, I'm sure there's a lot more that you, you could talk about if we had more, you know, to, to slice out here. But uh, yeah, maybe we'll have you back again, Tom. I'm sure there's yeah. a couple more stories <laughs> you could share. <laughs> we could go on and on. <laughs> We'll bring, uh, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll leave the invitation wide open for you. Okay. Okay. That'd be great. That'd, that'd be, be great. fantastic. Yeah. That'd be fun time. Um, so, you know, coming away from, you know, some of the things that you've shared, um, I think we said earlier, you know, uh, learning from our lives, you know, seeking to understand and, uh, becoming becoming happy because you're choosing to be happy and you're you're, you're making changes within yourself yeah. as well as you know with within your life um outside of yourself uh to to parameters that that bring happiness that's what it's all about man that's a good that's a good message tom yeah well uh, that's the way i try to live and it doesn't happen every day <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay and that's okay <laughs> 
Well, I thank you, sir. This has been fun. Oh, Lynn, it's been great talking with you. And uh, again, I, I think we should have you back and listen to a couple more stories that uh, you'd like to share. Uh, I'll be happy to. Awesome, man. Thank you. Um, all right. Well, that's uh, that's Tom House. And uh, we uh, thank you for listening. Have a great night, Tom. And Thanks, Lynn. Hopefully everybody else will have a great night, too. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.